Hi there, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at T-I underscore anime. Or just like us on Facebook to not see our posts, because that's just how it is now. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show! Welcome to Third Impact Anime. I am back as your host. The people weren't mad over the romance episode. Hooray. And with me today is Sully. Hello. And with me also is Austin. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. Woo! <laughs> We're... Woohoo, Andy. We're here to talk about the mystery of Mamo. Yay. Is everyone excited? I am quite excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming, and I'm just really glad to finally actually, A, have this movie finished and have actually seen it, and B, uh, to actually get to talk about it. So I'm personally really excited, and I know that you, Bill, are probably more excited than anyone. <laughs> I think yes. we've been like planning this for several months, and then we've tried a grand total of four times. And one of those times was I woke up the day we were going to record, and I had a horrible flu. Well, you know so, what they say: fifth time's the charm. Exactly. Yeah, we 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 made it, so I think that's all that matters. So before we get into Lupin the Third, Mystery of Mamo, why don't we do a little catch up? And just tell me what you guys have been up to, like for fun, games, anime you've been watching. You go ahead first, Ollie. Oh, God. I um, have not really had the time because I'm currently in the middle of getting my second degree. And um, it's a lot more rigorous than my other one. And so I've been in the middle of reading four novels, five academic articles, an entire class worth of short stories, writing my own short stories, two research papers, and a short, uh, like, essay. So I um, have not been able to do anything. I know I had been writing the Sanrio Boys reviews, and I was like, I'm two weeks behind. I'll just do, like, one, two episodes. I just, I gave up. I honestly am just hoping no one noticed that I stopped because <laughs> I have not had time to write anything the only thing i have done is when i have like a small moment of respite i will play breath of the wild for two hours and take a very long nap and occasionally watch lupon the third mystery mama i've tried five times to watch that movie and it's not that it's a bad movie it's just something comes up that makes me have to stop or i am so tired i fell asleep this is the first time i actually was able to sit down and watch it from start to finish and it was nice <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I know academia comes first, and uh, we're all very proud of you of pursuing your second-degree burns. <laughs> yeah, that's how like, it works. <laughs> I I cheer for you, Sully. Go, Sully, go. How are you, Austin? 
I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just been working pretty steadily. Uh, we had a big event uh, last weekend or at the uh, coffee shop where I work. And uh, it was a big like anime themed event that we put on. And Sully, you helped uh, help me out with that. So I really appreciate it. You're and, welcome. Um, just been uh, prepping panels for TriadCon and getting ready for that. And But this uh, this podcast might actually come out after TriadCon, to which you guys will probably have already heard us talk about it. Either way, uh, TriadCon, I'm excited for. And in terms of stuff that I've been watching, um, so I basically put everything except for Laidback Camp on hold for no particular reason to watch this like Gynax show from the early 2000s that probably nobody cares about it called Maharomatic. And it's basically like a much less interesting and less entertaining version of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, I mean, I've been enjoying it. It's, it's like decent popcorn anime. So, um, and it, it gets me one little, little, little checkbox next to my, uh, Things made by Studio Gynax that I have seen list, even though this is probably one of the lesser essentials from that studio. It's it's still pretty well made and decently entertaining. It's it's whatever. Does it have like so it doesn't have like the cuteness factor that Dragon Man has? It does, but it's not it's nothing like Dragon Maid introduced like a lot of interesting things in its characters and uh, in the way that it presented a lot of its ideas, but this this one is like, like Dragon Maid is the next logical progression from what this show was, but this show is more of just like, kind of um, wish fulfillment, uh, fan service ish sort of show that that Dragon Maid kind of riffs on, um, mm. but Dragon Maid is a much more um, nuanced and and realized concept, right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're getting through your Gynax checklist. Next thing you have to do is finish His and Her Circumstances. Yeah, um, I've watched about 10 episodes of it, and I enjoy it a lot, but I'm really excited to check out that ending because I know that it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I love it. Uh, go back and check out the romance episode I did where I talked about His and Her Circumstances. I listened to that. You and Andrew did a great job. I, I like that episode a lot, but I was still really surprised that Andrew did not mention your name. I know you haven't seen it yet, but um, I need to verbally berate Andrew whenever I see him in a little bit and tell him, why you didn't you talk about house. your name? It's so good. <laughs> What's that? I said you live in the same house. Hey, I know. <laughs> I know where he lives. <laughs> I know where I live. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I want to see your name. It's just Funimation, for some reason, will not put its movies on streaming for some reason. It's because they want you to buy that sweet Blu-ray. Yeah, but I want to watch it first, and then if I like it, I'll then buy the Blu-ray. Ha, who does that? <laughs> crazy, uh... crazy people like me. Yep. <laughs> So what have you been uh, doing, Bill? Um. Okay, so besides my typical stuff that I won't mention again, I started My Hero Academia. Yay! Yes, and I'm on episode three. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. 
like that the main character is infectious with his spirit of like I'm gonna go do it. I want to be a superhero. And uh, uh, what's the his idol? His idol superhero. All Might. All Might. I love him. Me just it, too. He sw- his switch in personality and just <laughs> the way he talks. Oh, it's so great. It it, rem- it reminds me of um, if you've ever watched the Idol Master animes, mm-hmm. the the president of the of the Idol Master groups are is always kind of like that of very high energy and very go get 'em mm-hmm. kind of like All Might is when he's in his superhero form, which is uh, fantastic. And I'm my goal is to try and get through My Hero Academia before season three starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, probably a really good uh, jumping on point right now in between seasons to where there's not quite that much My Hero Academia to like catch up with. Um, like there's just the I want to say like 30, 37 episodes for you to watch rather than trying to watch like over 50. So yeah. you, you picked a good time to get into it. It, just kind of going through it, I kind of wish One Piece would do that because while I love that show, it's a very slow grind, and I would love it if they just said like, "We're gonna take a break, and we're just gonna wait for the manga to go on for a little while, and gonna break it into seasons that come out every from this month to this month." Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are probably probably would agree with you. Um, and then on the game side. Um, I've been playing uh, Pillars of Eternity, which has been really kind of um, scratching that D&D uh, RPG fantasy itch uh, hmm. that I've, it's kind of, it, if you've ever played like Neverwinter Nights or Baldur's Gate or any of those old RPGs that Bioware used to make, it's kind of in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm enjoying that pretty well. And I'm also, for nostalgia reasons, going back to the Mass Effect games. You know, I'm still surprised they haven't released like a Mass Effect trilogy on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, that seems like really easy money, where if they did like the trilogy with the DLC included and charged like 70 bucks, I'd buy that. Mm-hmm. I also, I think I just want to give up on the idea of ever playing that first game and just like watch somebody play it, like no commentary on YouTube. You can, you I can would do, much rather do that. You can do what I imagine most people did was you, they had this weird uh, comic with in game where it just like, do you choose to do this or choose to do that? <laughs> it was, mm. and it was drawn like an American comic book. And I kind of, uh, laughed when I saw that. <laughs> so but it's it, like a choose your own adventure, kind of where you're basically doing all the major choices uh, it, from the original game. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I know one's a pain, but I if that's a if you can't get through that, I would just jump into two. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate that, and that's probably what I'll end up doing. But I'll I'll at least familiarize myself with the first one. Or just read the Wikipedia entry. That is also an option. Yes. Okay, let's get to the main topic at hand, everybody. Mystery of Mamo. We'll never get out of this alive. Don't give up now. Just keep walking. (laughs) 
So let me give everyone a kind of a bit idea of what the Lupin franchise is. Lupin the Third is based off the French fictional thief Arsène Lupin, where Lupin the Third is his grandson. And the basic premise is Lupin and his crew of Jigen, Daisuke Jigen, the fastest gun in the West, and his best friend, Goemon Ishikawa, a samurai, and also a uh, very, very good thief, Fujiko Mine, and sometimes love interest, sometimes uh, someone who will stab you in the back, uh, tries to steal many well-known artifacts throughout the world. It's like a mixture of Oceans, the Ocean series, if you've seen those films, and a little bit of James Bond, a little bit of Indiana Jones, uh, mixed in with some slapstick and some funny physics. And our last common character is Detective Zinagata, who is works for Interpol and is always chasing after Lupin. He will not rest. He will not see his family. He will do whatever he can to get Lupin the Third. And that is the Lupin franchise in general, with many, many movies, uh, over 30 TV specials, uh, a lot of manga. It's uh, started in the 70s and has been going ever since then. The latest was um, Blue, uh, Lupin the Third Part 4, and there's another TV series on in the spring. So, if you guys don't mind, why don't you tell me what was your first introduction to Lupin? So, my first introduction to Lupin was through your generous influence, Bill. Um, I had heard of uh, the Castle of Cagliostro uh, through my you know early anime fandom days. You know, researching you know Hayao Miyazaki and all the things that he worked on, and so on, and you know, making my way through the Ghibli catalog. Um, but I didn't actually watch Castle Cagliostro until, uh, you know, I met you and you started to explain your Lupin fandom, you know, back in college. And uh, it sparked an interest in it and a an appreciation for it that I otherwise didn't have. It was kind of like what I um, said about One Piece, like, you know, back a few years ago, whenever I was just a a, a hapless weeb that uh, didn't didn't know any better. Like a lot of these like long running franchises that just went on forever and have been going on for decades and decades or episodes upon episodes, season after season. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to mentally check out from all of these franchises to save myself the trouble. And then one day something clicked in my brain and I decided I don't have to do that. And it opened up this, you know, floodgates of all this other anime that I then became open to watching. And Lupin was probably probably the first big franchise that actually like took that took a step in the direction of like trying to get into. And that started with I don't know, I think I think I watched the woman called Fujiko Mine first because I think you just showed me like a random episode of it or something. Um, Probably. Yeah, that sounds about right. We did a lot of like one episode train sessions uh, back then, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, and I think also what helps with Lupin is it's very standalone in nature. So unlike a long running series like One Piece, where you feel like you have to know the continuity, you can 
jump into any TV episode, any of the TV specials, any of the movies, and enjoy it on its own merits. You know, you you giving me those like initial impressions of like what, like, even though you were very transparent and be like, you know, the woman called Fujiko Mine as a as a as an entry in the franchise is not really indicative of what most of the franchise is like. Um, most of it, well, maybe not even most of it, but a lot of it is Cagliostroian in nature. Um, but seeing Fujiko Mine first and then seeing Cagliostro like shortly after it made me sort of realize that like Lupin is like both of these kind of tones, like neither one of them is like right or wrong. And I'm sure that, you know, in whenever we get to discuss more about Mamo, we'll talk about that. Um, but um, I think that that was, um, at least for me, it was a very helpful perspective to know that like Lupin can be very different things. Mm. Yeah, I think we'll discuss those tonal differences uh, when we get to Mamo. Uh, mm. But Sully, so- what about yourself? How did you- how did you get into Lupin the Third? I think in a very similar way to Austin, it was uh, your uh, passion for it that kind of uh, bled over to the rest of us. Uh, I-, I knew of Lupin. I, you know, it's just one of those things you just kind of know, like in the periphery of anime fandom. But I never really got into it. Um, the first thing of Lupin I ever watched was, uh, Austin, you showed it. It was that when you did Anime Club. It was the, uh, it was the, one of the TV special movies. You, do you remember what it was? Um, at, uh, Geek, the Geeksboro Club? Yes. Oh, it was, um, Lupin and the, um, it was like the Adventures of Marco Polo. Let me get the actual title up. But that was uh, that was the quick. first one I had I had ever seen, and uh, it, it did pique my interest. I I do kind of like that uh, going around the world stealing various treasures from various you know different wild locales. Um, but uh, I kind of just put on the back burner until I watched this, and uh, it it did have that same sort of kooky adventure. Uh, it is kind of like a jokey version of like the ocean movies or um it, it makes me think of like like a like a looney tune almost is the best way to put it because even though they're humans they act very much like bugs bunny and daffy duck act that particular special that you're mentioning is called lupon the third the travels of marco polo another page from 2012 well i'm glad to hear that my occult to Lupin the Third worked, and that I was able to get you both to join it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've spent a lot of uh, cashola on Lupin the Third DVDs and whatnot, so you can feel uh, very very proud that you have caused me to to uh, spend my limited capital on that wacky thief. Yeah, thank you slash damn you, discotheque. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Best company, think... worst company. <laughs> exactly. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about uh, Mystery Mama, which is Lupin, uh, the Lupin franchise's very first theatrical movie, released in 1978, with, at the time, probably the biggest budget within an anime feature. It had The budget was over $8 million. Dang. Which I find pretty impressive. Now, the basic premise uh, of 
the mystery of Mamo is Fujiko gets in contact with this mysterious man in Mamo who has asked her to find the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone, whatever <laughs> Harry Potter tendency you like to go by. <laughs> uh, where his Mamo's main goal is to become immortal. And also, he is head over heels in love with Fujiko. <laughs> where As most be- people tend to be. Yeah, like... In the way Lupin treats Fujiko Mine sometimes, you would think that like she's a god that just came down to Earth and entered uh, a human body. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the main premise of what is this mystery of uh, of Mamo? Is he really immortal? Is he not? And will he convince Fujiko to become an immortal with him? I've chosen you for immortality, my dear one. And that's all you ever really need to know. You really do make dreams come true. Are you happy? Oh, Mamo. <laughs> of course. Except for having to put up with Lupin. For me, um, it's not my favorite Lupin work, but I find it really interesting because pacing and tonal-wise, it's all over the place. Just a little bit. Yeah, where... It goes all over the place uh, tonally, where at one point it's a comedy, and then it goes to serious uh, drama, to action, to, oh, we're back to a comedy again. And also, I, just the characterization I, I find also really interesting, because it's more in line with the manga that had a more harder edge to it, and more of like a 70s grit, is the way I would describe it. What do you guys think of the tonal kind of flip-flops that the movie goes throughout? Or what did you think of the movie in general? Let's start with Sully. So, um, like I said, I had, I had a basic knowledge of Lupin, you know, 70s, uh, thief, you know, kind of adventurous. And I, I guess that was kind of the expectation I had going into this. And then... Once we get to uh, the island in the Caribbean that Mamo lies in and you meet Hitler and Napoleon and it, you know, turns into a Dali painting at one point. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, it's this kind of movie. And I love when <laughs> Mamo turns around and you witness him for the first time. And I just went, oh, it's Paul Williams. So it was it was it was full of surprises. It was full of surprises watching this movie. <laughs> Mama, Mama's character design is like so absurd. Like he's not on the box art at all. Like I don't, I don't. At least I don't think he is. So just like seeing that character show up in this movie that is like otherwise, you know, it's stylized, but it it basically looks, you know, the the characters look human within that sort of seventies stylized look. But Mamo is just like, what Tezuka property did you come from? I love that you talk about the designs. All the men in this in this this movie, say for uh, maybe Goemon have very wide shoulders and triangular waist and little noodle arms. 
<laughs> I love they're, all those people who look like like uh those like cavemen or the goons from Popeye. <laughs> and I they're love all, that Luke uh, was running away from them, and he just like turns into Kermit from the Muppet Show, just flinging his arms in the air. <laughs> they're and they're all like slightly hunched over with their hands in their pockets a lot of the time. And they even carry clubs. It's just such a like classic character design that's almost it's just so silly. Yeah. It's very Looney Tunes, kinda like what you said. Well, I think that Looney Tunes vibe is is common throughout um Lupin um from the start where just the stuff that Lupin and Jigen and Goemon are physically able to do are impossible. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Like uh I'm trying to think of an example. Like uh in both this uh this movie and in the TV show, you see shots of them running out the window and they're kind of doing a wally coyote like I'm running in, in midair mm -hmm. and I'm not falling. If if anyone remembers that. Yeah, yeah. yeah um I love the sound effect when he does, when he taps his foot in the air to see like if it's solid it makes a little dink noise. That was just the sound <laughs> effects. The sound design in this movie was very well done. It's very funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those like those wacky moments where like Lupin jumps out of his boxer shorts and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's the slow motion onto Fujiko, and then she's like, "Oh, thank God, I put that medicine in." <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That that scene in of itself is is. Uh, it's problematic, but it, it has a little bit of humor in there, too. The mix of classical art uh, and um, the, the the very goofy animations, it makes me think of Car Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Um, with the, Ooh. like, you'll, you'll be, like, looking at, like, the birth of man, and it'll be Lupin running in front of it, like, with his little noodle arms. So <laughs> it's very, it's very silly. Um just the way they kind of mix that. I love the scene where it's uh, they're looking into Lupin's mind and you just see all these like collages of women's breasts and him eating pop rocks. And it was one of those kind of movies. Yeah. The, um, this, this movie I would describe as very fantastical it, with what's going on. Like the scene where there's a machine that's able to read into Lupin's subconscious, which is, impossible in real life or the 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 kind of the weird mixture of art as sully said earlier but there's also like a weird kind of 70s nihilism tone especially yeah like i was watching it it's like oh who is the real lupon who's the real anyone what does our existence mean and i was like ah yes lupon the third beautiful dreamer oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um it's just very weird, and the the whole Lupin dream viewing machine is just so non sequitur. It doesn't really come up anymore, other than maybe to prove like that he does love and care about Fujiko, because there is this weird love triangle between Lupin, Fujiko, and Paul Williams throughout the movie. <laughs> so, um, he he looks exactly like Paul Williams does in Phantom of the Paradise. He's like a purple version of Swan from Phantom of the Paradise. So I cannot help but see him that way. And you know, it's like funny that. you mention uh, you mentioned uh, Mamo's Paul Williams. Um, Mamo's voice actor in the um, manga entertainment U.S. dub is Paul Saint Peter. Oh, now that's that's a voice that we're all familiar with. Yeah, we <laughs> interviewed him almost a year ago. One thing that also is kind of makes it hard, I think, to watch 
to watch the movie kind of all the way through is it feels like there's a bunch of separate little movies that are going on throughout Mamo that are kind of merged together. Uh, like there's the whole bit on the island, uh, Mamo's Island. And then there's a whole section where uh, Lupin and Jigen and Goemon are in a desert where <laughs> they're trying to... Uh, Escape from Mama's clutches, and that feels like a totally like a completely different movie. And how they get there is so poorly established. Yeah, it's like they're Game of Thrones. It's it's kind of they're using Game of Thrones uh, teleporting technology to get to get from here to there. Yeah, it's like suddenly they're in Paris, and then they drive five miles away, and then they're in the desert, <laughs> and then they're in the Caribbean. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, loop, loop and physics apply to geography as well, apparently. Uh, and I guess one other tonal thing that I noticed throughout the movie is there's a lot of, like, 70s view of women in mm. the movie where it's uh, like, oh, Fujiko, you're a goddess, I'm, but I'm going to have a camera in the shower to watch mm -hmm. you take a shower, or that whole scene where she's being whipped by the uh, Mamo's henchmen. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Lupin's Which, imagination. So yeah, that was. Kind of even worse. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. He's, he makes some he makes some sort of remark about, like, I wish I was a masochist or something like that. I don't remember. It's like, why wasn't that me? Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, if that, that can't play today. Just... And that's also very different from the Lupin that we see in uh, Cagliostro as well. <laughs> Yeah, let me kind of explain that. Lupin, its origins in the manga, uh, created by Monkey Punch, is very much of its time. So it's it's a very 70s viewpoint on how the world is, where in one story in the manga, there's this um, photo plan uh, by the scientist that he has hid in his daughter's body. And so Lupin's goal is, well... I'll sleep with you, and by sleeping with you, I'll be able to get these, these plans that the doctor put into your body. It's weird. Yeah, uh, totally makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I would not... I, for me, personally, that's not my favorite Lupin. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it, it, by today's standards, it's really outdated and kind of icky. What is your favorite Lupin? Uh, my, f I think my favorite Lupin has has to be kind of the newer stuff that's been coming on coming out as of late. Where, yes, we can have that mature tone, but it's not kind of a, a sadistic kind of men rule the world tone that um, kind of the manga has. Where, like in Fujiko Mine, uh, it's the spinoff. Uh, series. Fujiko uh, is naked a lot, but she's in control of her of her surroundings and of who she's dealing with. Or in Blue Jacket, there's some romance going on between um, Rebecca, who's a new character, and Fujiko, but they're both um, very prominent. They're, she's not uh, a woman who is just uh, kind of mooched off their money, and they're kind of in control of their own destiny. Mm -hmm. But we can still have that mature tone. Bill, is there any sort of uh, reason for the different colored jackets other than dividing the series? Is it like a design thing? Does it have any sort of meaning to it? 
I think I don't think there's any really deep meaning behind the jackets. I think it's just to show that oh, you are watching Lupin the Third Part One or Part Two. So green means go, red means stop, and blue is for the sky. <laughs> Austin, remind me never to get into a car with you. <laughs> um, but uh, I just, I can accept the, the tone as for kind of, this is what was common practice of its time uh, when it comes to kind of the nudity with Fujiko uh, in Mamo, but it's not... I wouldn't say it's it's my end all be all. Like also, one other interesting thing is in Lupin, the Lupin franchise, no, rarely anyone gets seriously hurt or uh, die. Whereas in this one, there's a really hard uh, scene when they're in Paris, when they're in a cafe, talking about like what is the philosopher slash sorcerer stone. And there's a helicopter that comes out of nowhere and starts murdering like a bunch of civilians in the cafe. Yeah, like brutally too. Like you see blood splatter and everything. Yeah, and it's really it's got a visceral tone to it. It does. <laughs> it's there are some scenes where it's like it the tone again shifts and it's like, well, at least when the roadrunner does it, he doesn't bleed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just has a cast. Um, but I, I've been talking, do you think these tonal shifts work or do you think it's kind of jarring as a film? Um, so I, um, I definitely acknowledge that all of these tonal shifts exist, but I think that that's sort of what adds to the charm of Mamo. Like it definitely makes it very inconsistent, but in the same way, just like Lupin is wandering around, you know, Mamo's secret facility and then suddenly Hitler um, in this movie, when you're watching it, you never really know what to expect from scene to scene. And I think that makes it a very enjoyable watch, um, just to see like how crazy it gets. But if you're looking for like tonal consistency and characterization and, you know, a, a generally cohesive movie, this is probably not the one that you want to pick. Um, but I still think that that sort of weird quality makes it enjoyable in a, in a strange way. For me, it was kind of the same thing, uh, just because it was so whiplash, it wasn't really nece necessarily to its detriment. It was, it kept me guessing and it kept me entertained because I, I have to admit there are sometimes when I'm watching a movie and I'm just like, oh God, just move on with the scene. Just move on. Just, just hurry up. And this is just like, <laughs> it's always something going on and you really just had to kind of like keep up with it at a lot of points mm -hmm. because it really was just like a roller coaster it was just taking you for a ride and uh having said that at least on from my perspective like um i would I, bill you may feel a little bit differently or you may feel the same but i would not recommend people start with mamo as their first thing because it's very it like it has elements of uh the whimsy of cagliostro like it has that like epic car chase and like some really interesting locations and stuff like that and it's it's dark, but it's also got a little bit of like light humor to it as well. But it's also got, like I said, those dark elements and things that you see from uh, like some of the more serious entries. But I would mm -hmm. I would still not recommend starting with this one because it's so disjointed and it might it might give people like a sort of a, a, a an expectation that Lupin is this sort of like 
very strange thing when it's it's not really that weird. It's pretty straightforward. Most yeah, of the time. I I I'm completely in agreement with you. I think a good starting points for the Lupin franchise would either be um, Woman Called Fujiko Mine, or uh, the newer series uh, Lupin the Third Part Four that came out two years ago. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, but um, I think one other thing I want to talk about is um, the relationship between Fujiko and Lupin is very central to the movie. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I find really interesting is typically within Lupin, there's always a flirtation between Lupin and Fujiko, which is, which happens here. But in this movie, it, Fujiko kind of confirms of like, no, I'm really uh, attached to Lupin. Like I have romantic feelings for him compared to most of the time it's used as I it's fun to play games with you but I'm really going after what I what I'm interested in mm-hmm. and I think that again adds to one of the things as to why Mamo is probably not a very good entry point because a lot of the times Fujiko just does that to Lupin to like get something from him you know like she'll be like oh Lupin I've always wanted to confess my love to you and then she'll like handcuff him to a chair or something you know what I mean so like yeah. the establishment that loop that uh, Fujiko is like actually romantically interested in Lupin is like to me in this movie it felt like a like a a bait and switch that she was doing that she's known to do but I wouldn't have that impression had I not already seen other things with her already in it. Mm. Well, there there's still that bait and switch that happens throughout the movie. Like uh, one of the earliest scenes where they're in Paris and. Fujiko's meeting with Lupin to give the uh, to give the sorcerer's philosopher's stone uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to him, and before he winds, it's like, oh, I did all this hard work to find this for you, and I don't even get a date. And then she goes, oh, let me just freshen up, just kind of oh, teasing yeah. <laughs> it, teasing him, and then it's this spray that just kind of uh, makes him just frozen. Darling, I was wrong. In fact, why should a great guy like you settle for a couple of petals when you deserve the whole flower? (laughs) You mean it? Really? That is, you know, literally? Or are we still talking in metaphor, I mean? (laughs) The answer, dear, that is, if I understand you, is... (laughs) Thank you. Hey, Fujiko, what the hell are you doing? Huh? Don't be mad at me. So that 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 kind of cat and mouse between them is still present, but later in the movie, where she's she could choose to be with Mamo, who has unlimited resources, has unlimited wealth, and could probably grant immortality, but she decides, nah, I don't want to do that. I think yeah. anyone with a brain would pick Lupin over <laughs> Mamo. Plus, Mamo's like, it, Mamo's so finite. Like, if she picked Mamo, that would be the end of her adventure. And if Fujiko is anything, she is a lady about, you know, adventure and the thrill of the chase. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's her real love is the thrill of the hunt. Definitely.
Uh, and they do yeah. share a kiss at the end, and Lupin presses her nipple. So you know, oh, the, yeah, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> which, <laughs> which adds to an incredible visual montage of like him doing that, and then watching those those people in like the military command base like pressing all the buttons to get the missiles to fly off, and that's that's a, that's some genius. Uh, Genius film. And then you get right the there. rocket launching, and I was like, oh, is this one of those train going into the tunnel moments? <laughs> this is definitely one of those train going into the tunnel moments. Thanks, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, well, it's it's also funny just because the US military gets involved. And uh And Jigen I, speaks I, English, but everyone's speaking Japanese still, and <laughs> Goemon just uh, doesn't understand what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also I, I just love I love this stereotype at the where basically the U.S. military just files to solve everything. They fire missiles and everything because this isn't anime related. But if you've ever watched um, Arthur Christmas, the from the people who do the Wallace and Gromit shorts, that the U.S. military is the exact same way. Where there's like, what do we do? Fire missiles at it. Go. <laughs> I mean, that's basically how the entire rest of the world sees our country. So. Yeah, and I love how uh, the 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 he's not the general, but like the head military guy, the 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 one in the green suit who just looks very unpleasant. How he's reading a Lupin comic book. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's just, how does this exist in this world? Does Lupin does he collect licensing fees or? <laughs> the other fun thing too is there's a scene of while he's reading the comic, you see the comic for a second, and it's him. With a bunch of DC Comics characters. So he's so good. He's confirmed for the next Justice League movie. Yep. <laughs> it's coming. I can't wait. Because I, I just, I, it's a, it makes me laugh because I, that's kind of how uh, Japanese copyright is, where it's much looser than American copyright is. Mm-hmm. So they were able to get away with that. But I love that little cameo of like, it's Lupin and Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. In that little uh, comic he's reading, Bill, I know you just made your Twitter and you're still building it, but I, you're gonna after this podcast is over, you're gonna Google search that picture and you're gonna make that your Twitter cover because there is nothing that that would be more perfect for you than that. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess uh, one uh, one other thing I I like to talk about is I don't know solely. Uh, based off the version that you had, if they have the different dubs, uh, uh, for so I um I watch the Japanese with English subtitles. I listen to the dub and I said I'm not doing this. Okay, well that's your choice. <laughs> Do you have any idea which dub it was? Um, yeah. see, Bill just ripped the the thing and sent me the file because I couldn't. <laughs> No, no, I sent you the DVD. <laughs> we won't. No, it's, it's, it's not like in a bad legal gray area. <laughs> but like, I, I didn't look. It just had one. It just had audio, one English and then one Japanese and then two Japanese sub files. So I was mm-hmm. just like, OK, I'll pick the sub that has the color and it was blue and it was nice to look at. And then I listened to the Japanese. I listened to just a little bit of the dub and Lupin sounded OK. Mm-hmm. But Goemon sounded like he like like he sounded like who was that famous singer with a deep voice who like sang all those songs about getting sexy? Michael Barry, Bolton. Barry White, yeah. not Michael Bolton. <laughs> like he, he sounded like he was insane. 
hey, Fujiko, now we're just going to turn it down a notch. <laughs> now, now the only thing I can picture in my mind is Michael Bolton dressed as a, as Goemon for a cosplay. Go, not Goemon, Mamo, I mean, Mamo. Oh my god, that's even worse. Deep <laughs> <laughs> boys. Because there's that scene where uh, Fujiko, you know, she's drinking the wine and they're talking about getting Lupin to the island. And he's saying, you know, will will he take immortality or not? She's like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, Lupin's interesting. He goes, I don't know if you can trust him, Miss Fujiko. And I was like, why does he sound like he's, like, about to, like, strip off his little robe and have, like, a leopard skin Speedo underneath? <laughs> because he probably would. Honestly, I would like to, to extend my okay. apologies to Paul Williams for saying that you look like him and insinuating <laughs> that you would do that. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, so I guess um, Austin mm -hmm. is the only one who has experienced the uh, the the other dubs. Let me I'll do give some clarification for the audience. On top of the Japanese with the English subtrack, there are four different dubs that were made solely for this movie, and that's very rare. Most anime at the most will have maybe what like two dubs, mostly just one. Mostly just one. Like I can, like Shakugana Shana, I know has two dubs because one from the Jinion cast and then another one from Funimation's uh, cast. Whereas uh, Mystery Amamo has a dub cast from the 70s that was commissioned by Toho, which I find amazing. Uh, there's another one that was done by Streamline back in the day, which was it's Carl was Carl Masick's company. Uh, and there's the Manga UK dub, which, uh, if you're a fan of 90s OVAs, uh, back when anime was called Japanimation on Blockbuster, you would know a Manga UK dub. And then to, for more modern audiences, uh, there's the Genion dub, which uh, is the dub cast for the TV show that aired on Tsunami. I was I was reading through the uh, the Mike Tool essay on that DVD, which is really fascinating. Um, I'm have you have, you've read that right, Bill? Um, I haven't read I I read a little bit of the essay. I I was a little mm -hmm. scrambled going through notes because one thing I'll I'll say about the DVD, Discotech did a really good job of. I don't know how they were able to fit all four audio tracks, uh, on just a single DVD, and on top mm -hmm. of that, the transfer looks really good. And there's a lot of good written content about the background of Lupin the Third, mm -hmm. uh, or Mystery of Mama. Um, in that essay, um, they um, Mike wrote that um, there was some issues trying to like track down exactly how in the world that original dub like actually was created. And you you mentioned that it was commissioned by Toho, and it was apparently it was recorded like in Tokyo, like they did it with american actors who are living in japan and that's probably why it sounds really strange and why the um why the translation is very literal yeah like uh the liner notes on it say it was kind of very patchwork where they got whoever they could um to be a part of the dub and it was made it's probably made by this company called frontier that was known for doing a lot of early anime dubs in the 70s mm -hmm. uh but it's, i mean it's... um i listened to part of that dub and i mean it definitely sounds 
it sounds like from the era of like Hanna Barbera cartoons, if you ever watched any of those, like that's just kind of how the delivery sounds, which makes sense because of the time period. But um, in terms of the performances and like the dialogue itself, like it sounds fine. The only thing that's like super weird about it is the fact that all the names are different except for Lupin. So does, yeah. does Jigen talk like Snagglepuss then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shoot my gun even. <laughs> Heavens to Murgatroyd. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I only saw one, but now I want to see that. I want to see the bad one now. The Snagglepuss well, dub. <laughs> the Snagglepuss well, dub. The, the 70s dub, I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's, for what it is, it's okay. Like, I think I could name far worse dubs than that one. Yeah, uh, Is sure. it one of those things, Bill, like I have this weird soft spot for the bad Time Boken dub with all the changed names. It's terrible, but you just love it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I would probably put it in that category. But then again, it's not really that, like... It's not like a it's not a bad dub. It's just very of its time and it's it hasn't aged that well, but still it's like if you wanna if you wanna watch the movie, absorb the story, like it's a decent dub. So Yeah. Except I would... they call they they call the um what's um uh Zenigata, uh, they changed his name to Detective Ed Scott. <laughs> and, and uh Fujiko's Jigen, name is Mar I'm sorry. That was yeah, you're right. Fujiko's name is Margo and um Jigen is um Dan Dunn. <laughs> Dan Dunn. <laughs> yes. And Bill, I'll save I'll save the best for last. What is Goemon's name? Oh, it it's a very complex name. His name is Samurai. Ooh. <laughs> What's the katakana for that? It's pronounced katana. Oh, oh my 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 apologies. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fujiko looks like a Margo. I could see her as a Margo. That's a nice. I, I agree. Yeah. Did they use? Didn't they use like a a fake name for Lupin because uh, the copyright in France? Yeah. Um. For not for they, that dub though. Not for that oh. dub. Not for, mm -hmm. not for not for the seventies. So dub. he's not Rupan. No, he's not Rupan. <laughs> no, he, he was Paul. Close enough. <laughs> he no, he was Wolf. Uh, when they couldn't, when Arsene Lupin's copyright was still in effect. So in one of the dubs, I think it's the streamlined dub Wolf instead of Lupin. Yeah, in the 70s one, like, they refer to him as, like, quote, the wolf, I think, like, a few times. But um, generally, like, like Jigen and Goemon call him, call him Lupin. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that isn't changed. Like, they just... Uh, for some, surprisingly, Lupin wasn't given a kind of a more Western name in the 70s, though. Mm -hmm. But I well, think... I mean, Lupin is a Western, it's French. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, what, what I like is each dub, I think, has their good and bad qualities. Like, I, I have a personal nostalgia for the Jinian dub. Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Ruff is always going to be my Fujiko. She's so uh, good. And Mike McFarland as the as uh, Zenigata is just makes me laugh because he basically uh, makes him sound like he's a cowboy sheriff that I would hear in a western. <laughs> I'll get you, Lupin. Yeah, and uh, Bob Bergen who does uh, the 
who also does Lupin in the uh, Castigliostro is also in the Streamline dub. Uh, the only dub I, I didn't have time to check out was the Manga UK dub. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, did were you able to check that out, Austin? I was not. The only ones that I watched were a little, like, I watched about 30 minutes of the movie with the original 70s dub, and I watched the Streamline dub. That's, that's I mean, not Streamline, um, Jenny on. Jenny on. Because oh, yeah. it, it, it helped me get through it the first time, like, because um, the movie is a little bit plotting and a little bit, like, like some of the scenes are really quick and some of the scenes are really long. And so it, it took me a while to get through it the first time. Um, so I figured that turning on the Jenny on dub with the, with the cast that I really enjoyed would help me get through it quicker. Yeah, I, I'm in an agreement because the pacing for Mr. Mamo can be kind of everywhere, just like the tonal uh, shifts in the movie. Which which can be a which can be a kind of a chore if you're doing a one sit through. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Bill, can I ask you a question? Sure. So his name is Lupin, and he's Lupin the Third, but he is in Japan, and he most of the time he's speaking. What is Lupin's ethnicity? Uh, probably a mixture between French and Japanese. Then. Huh. Since his, since he is the grandson of Arsène Lupin, who is a French character. I'm gonna go out on a limb and create my head canon that Lupin has a Japanese mom. I like yeah, that. Well, that works. That I I agree with that. That also works. It'll um, be it'll be part of the shocking reveals of part five. Oh, one other fun thing about the dubs is the name Mister Amamo does not come from TMS or uh, or Toho. It that was a fan name for the movie because the tms english name for the movie spoils the name spoils one of the plot threads uh i'm not going to say it here it's but it's really stupid i'll give you one hint it sounds like a title from a star wars movie (laughs) bill can we please spoil it i really i really want to talk about it okay spoiler warning (laughs) so the like Bill introduced, the original title for it is Lupin versus the Clones, which I don't know. Like it, you're right. It definitely it completely gives the movie away. But then again, like I'm of the opinion that that the the entire plot with Mamo is almost, at least to me, very uninteresting. Other than the fact that it's really weird. Like the best part of the movie, I think, is just the Lupin gang and their adventures, like interacting with like all of the weird situations that Mamo puts them through. But Mamo as himself is not a very interesting villain. So, I mean, I wouldn't even see that as a spoiler so much. Like it, like knowing that plot thread doesn't really, I, I don't think it should make anyone feel like they shouldn't watch that, even though they know what it's about. Like it, well, it's, it's the, also really vague too. So the, the, the best part is you're not even killing the original because at the, at the end it's revealed that, what Mamo is is just a giant brain. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is incredible. Ugh, that creepy, burning, walking. Ugh. Yeah, that was really weird and gross. Yeah, it, it's the later half of that movie. Sometimes reminds me of like an M.C. Escher painting of just like it. It goes in so many different directions. It's a maze. 
and they make a wonderful homage to 2001 A Space Odyssey whenever the giant brain rocket is flying <laughs> into space. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it just when you when I first saw that for the first time, I was like, what? No, come <laughs> on. Yeah, you can tell that the people behind this like creative team were just like they were going going at it hard, like going at it with like, it seemed like every person on the staff who had an idea, they were just like, yeah, let's do that. Even if the ideas were bad <laughs> or just out there. Or both. I, or I, both. I, I think they just were excited because they had a big budget and said, let's go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Um, um, you might not be able to off the top of your head, but um, can you give us a timeline of like how far into um, Lupin series two were we whenever this movie came out? Do you do you know? Um, because I, I I can't really recall off the top of my head, but I know there's a bunch of homages to the TV show. Mm -hmm. Like when Fujiko leaves Mama's mansion at the beginning, she gets on her motorcycle, and you hear the end credit song that you would hear in the TV, in the Green Jacket TV show. Oh, nice. Which I, I, up, thought, mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool uh, callback. That brings up another interesting point that the music in that movie is also really good. I mean, most of the Lupin music is, is really good in general, but I think the soundtrack stands out pretty well in this film. Well, it's the same uh, musician. Um, mm -hmm. he's, he's been with the series... Uh, since the early days, like he did the music for Castelliostro, and he, I think excluding the very new ones, he he did most of the music, and that's the one constant thing that stays with Lupin is I have like a jazzy uh, soundtrack to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I I, I think um, like if you like the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack, you would like. Uh, the soundtrack for Lupin the Third, and I think just as a general note, um, it seems kind of obvious to say it, but it might not. It might not be. Um, if if you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop, like I would totally make sure to put Lupin on your radar because you know Bebop in a lot of ways probably wouldn't exist without Bebop without Lupin. You know, existing as like this um, framework for how Bebop is structured like sort of the episodic nature, the sort of, you know, ragtag band of, of like very capable idiots, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, Faye Valentine's a lot like Fujiko. A lot, a lot. I, I think Watsonabe in interviews said that Lupin Third was an influence uh, for him, for him when kind of coming up. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, he watched, um, I think the, it was either the Green Jacket or the Red Jacket series he watched, like when he was a kid and all that. Yeah, and I uh, one one thing I should just kind of say in general with the Lupin franchise is that it has two tones, where there's on one side is the more kind of family friendly, kind of more whimsical tone that you would see uh, from Castlecagliostro and the TV specials that that happened that goes that that uh happened after Cagliostro because of, of Cagliostro's success uh, a lot of the tv specials try and kind of put that formula back in the bottle and try and kind of 
get back to where Kerry Esther was. And then on the flip side of that is the more kind of 70s, cynical, nihilistic tone that you see in Mamo and a few of the TV specials and of the first TV series, Green Jacket. Mm -hmm. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but was the only thing that Streamline Pictures actually put out from the Lupin series, was it this movie and um, uh, Fuma Conspiracy and those Miyazaki episodes of the TV show? They did... um... The Miyazaki episodes of the TV show, they did Fuma Conspiracy, they did Cagliostro, and they did Mr. Oh, so, oh, you're right. They, they did Cagliostro too? Wow. Yeah, because uh, on the Cagliostro Blu-ray, there's the, uh, the, there's the, I think, the manga dub, and then there's the streamlined dub. Oh, I must have forgotten about that one. Um, it's, okay. it's okay. There's a, it's a lot of things to keep in your hand. Yeah, for sure. Um, but um, I picked up uh, recently at the used video store a copy of that uh, Lupin's Greatest Capers uh, VHS tape. And um, <laughs> maybe I'll... Uh, and it has a streamlined dub on there, which I don't know if Discotech is going to include that whenever they get to those episodes, because I think those Miyazaki-directed episodes are in the late hundreds, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Um so it'll be interesting to see if those dubs end up on the on the discotheque releases, but if not, I'll I'll see if I can upload a few clips onto YouTube or something. Maybe not the full episode, but maybe some some choice moments. Well, discotheque's pretty good at getting everything that they can to mm-hmm. their related properties. Like on the Kegli, oh, this isn't Mama, but on the Kegliostro Blu-ray, they got a ton of stuff, like from the art books to poster stills to. Um, the two different versions of the dub to um, doing interviews. So they, they pretty much get everything they can. So I would I would be surprised if they weren't able to get the streamlined dub episodes on there. I would or be too, dub. and I, I really hope that they are. I I hope so too, but if if how they treated Mama with getting all four dubs, uh on the DVD, I I would be shocked and surprised if the streamlined Red Jacket dub isn't on the later uh, Red Jacket Volume Two sets that they are releasing mm-hmm. currently. And I watched those episodes too. Like they're they're very entertaining. They're they're like little miniature like like if if somebody enjoyed Cagliostro a lot, they're like mini little little um, like side episodes that go along really well with that movie. Mm. Yeah, I th- I think to wrap things up, um, if you're new to the Lupin franchise, I would start with Cagliostro or Blue Jacket. And then if you kind of want something a little bit more mature or more, uh, then go to a woman called Fujiko Mine. And if you kind of want something that's a bit more experimental, uh, go check out Mr. Yamamo. Definitely. Do you have any yeah. last thoughts about Mama Soli? I would say watch it. Um, it's very of its time, but I don't say that in a bad way. I love 70s anime. Um, I'm going to have to check out some of the uh, the early Lupin series because, like I said, I really enjoy that, you know, like you said, ragtag bunch of losers who run around <laughs> the world and try to steal stuff. That, it's yep. pretty much, you know, just one of those commonalities of things I enjoy. 
So um, <laughs> this has definitely inspired me to see more Lupin. Oh, and as for kind of availability for the for Lupin, all the TV series are on Crunchyroll. I'm not sure if the if Mr. Yamamoto or Cagliostro is streaming on Crunchyroll. I just got to I think there's one on Funimation. There, um, yeah, Fujiko Mine is on Funimation. And um, one of the movies, gosh, I don't remember which one, but one of them ended up on on Crackle, I think. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. It's the, it's the Fujiko Mine spinoff movie, but we don't need to get into that. Wait, wait which one is it? It's the Jigen, it's the Jigen movie, uh, Jigen's Gravestone. On Crackle? Yeah, I believe so. There's also That's, another one. There's another one on there too. Is one of the older ones. I don't. I don't remember exactly which one, but um, I sent you a link solely because they also put uh, "Beautiful Dreamer" up there. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, and one of the older Lupin movies is up there too from Discotheque, but I, I can't remember which one. But if if it's not streaming anywhere, the Lupin releases from Discotheque are relatively cheap compared to Funimation releases. Like I was able to pick up. Um, Mystery Amamo for under 20 bucks. So it's not a very expensive buy. So if you're interested in uh, Mystery Amamo, it's widely available and I highly enjoyed it. And if you're, um, if you're somebody that frequents anime conventions, uh, Discotech does as well. And most of the time, whenever they're there, they have, they have really, really good prices on their Blu-rays and DVDs. Um, you can mm -hmm. get them at conventions cheaper than you can at right stuff or on um most of the time even probably prices comparable to amazon um, yeah I, I think they realized at cons that we need to it's stupid to just not compete with amazon at cons yeah so let's just go low to make the fans happy because we know we'll get more product out there and most and of the time the, the short, support right stuff and support amazon they're trying to take over the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> And, um, I mean, bless Funimation for all they do, but, like, I am never going to order anything from their website again because I've had too many negative experiences, so right stuff it is. Yeah. And and their special editions are bad, too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did, um, one, one also other thing related to Lupin is, um, the uh, anime classics edition of The Woman Called Fuchiko Mine is out, and it's a little bit cheaper than, like, the regular one. But Right Stuff somehow still has in stock the limited edition like clamshell box of Fujiko Mine. So I would say if anybody out there is interested in watching that show and you don't mind like throwing some money that way, because um, I mean, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, it's a really good series. Um, consider picking up that limited edition because, um, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I have that one. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that we'll do more Lupin episodes in the future. Maybe Cagliostro, Cagliostro, because of how much I bet I imagine we all three love that movie. Mm -hmm. Should I mention that we've been uh, working on this sort of uh, side project with Third Impact, same as uh, Ryan and John's video game podcast, where it's us talking about all the old stuff we love. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see the. You're gonna you're gonna see more of us do uh, three old men uh, in young bodies. <laughs> old weebs. <laughs> you know what? That I think that I think we got our title. 
uh, talking about older releases from the 80s and 90s and 70s. So yeah, for I'm, those I'm super in, excited to talk about that stuff. Look for that in the future. And so as we part, let's hope that the clones don't come after you. <laughs> and uh, have, I hope everyone enjoyed it. 